Hello, St. Louis. This is your host, Brian Bisking, and this is the STL Leaders Podcast. Did you know that there are 2.8 million people that live in the St. Louis metro area? There are many leaders inside of that population. I started this podcast to give those leaders a voice. I was raised by one of those leaders. My father is a small business owner in Edwardsville, Illinois, and I grew up watching him be a leader in many ways to the people of our great city. The impact that him and other leaders have on our communities are instrumental. St. Louis has long been called the gateway to the West. This community has a large impact in many ways to other parts of this great country, but it has an even larger impact on all of us. The STL Leaders Podcast mission is to speak to the leaders of our area to gain insight into their story, their journey, and the lessons they have learned along the way. Each episode gives you inside access to the people who make St. Louis what it is today and what it will be in the future. Listen as we dive into what makes each leader so impactful and how they view success, mindset, and leadership. This podcast is brought to you by Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, and Inbound Blend Digital Marketing. Hello, St. Louis. This is your host, Brian Bisking. And on this episode of the STL Leaders, we have Jim Lally. Jim is the president and CEO of Enterprise Financial Services Corp. He is a passionate advocate for the company's mission to ensure a lifetime of financial success through unmatched client attention, education, and philanthropy. Jim serves on the Wallace Companies Board, SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Foundation Board of Governors, St. Joseph Academy Board, St. Louis Archdiocesan Finance Council, St. Louis Archdiocesan Property and Finance Committee, and is trustee of the St. Louis Archdiocesan Fund. Currently, Jim is a member of the Regional Business Council of St. Louis, and his past civic involvements include Friends of Scouting Campaign Chairman for the New Horizons District of Boy Scouts of Greater St. Louis, Executive Leadership Team of the St. Louis Chapter of the American Heart Association, and member of Aquan Golf Club. A native of St. Louis, Jim served his MBA from the University of Missouri-St. Louis and his Bachelor of Science degree in Finance from St. Louis University. In June 2016, Jim completed the executive program at the Dardine School of Business, University of Virginia. It's my great honor to welcome Jim to the show. Jim, welcome to the show. You bet, Brian. How are you? I am good. I, uh, I appreciate you joining us today. I, I, um, I'm very honored that you took the time out of your day. I know you got a busy schedule to, to share some of your wisdom and insight on leadership and how you lead Enterprise Bank. You bet. I'm happy to do it. All right, Jim. Well, thank you. Well, let's get started and let's talk a little bit about how you got started at Enterprise. Can you give our listeners a, about a 30,000-foot overview of your story at Enterprise? Yeah, you know, um, it's not a glamorous story, but it's mine, right? And I think as it relates to to things like this, the first and foremost is what I talk to people about is find something that you love to do. And I found early in my career that I love working with um, privately held businesses and their owners and their owners' families and really um, helping them achieve, uh, you know, their dreams. And sometimes these are big dreams and other times they're little dreams, but really uh, – Falling back on my experiences to help them achieve what they wanted to do. And I followed that through and I found a great company that matched my passion for it in enterprise. And I came to enterprise about 18 years ago. And I was told then that uh, my career at the company would be a series of assignments. And it certainly has been. And along the way, I've had opportunities to do many things and lead many teams. And, um, and like a lot of people, 
uh, you're at the right place at the right time, and maybe there's a little bit of luck involved. But in 2016, uh, the board came to me as part of their succession plan for my predecessor, Peter Benbaugh, and asked if I would be interested in uh, in um, you know working with them to become the uh, the next CEO of our company, and uh, it's all worked out from there. I really have enjoyed it, but it really it's come about because I followed the passion of what I love to do every day. And every day I wake up and I can't wait to work with our clients and, um, and helping them achieve what they, they want to achieve out of life. No, well, I think that's a, a, to your point, that's your story, but I think it's a great story that talks a little bit about, you know, <clears throat> how you, you know, worked your way up through the organization, right? You didn't just wake up one day and be the CEO of Enterprise Bank. You st- you got, got there 18 years ago and, and worked your way to, to the to position you hold today. And I think, you know, that's everybody's dream is to to take that journey and, and move your way up to the organization and one day be the leader, uh, leader of that organization. So I think it's a great story. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think along the way you have to find out who you are. And, um, you know, this would be the closest thing I ever have to owning my own business. And I think you have to understand what your risk profile is in life and, um, and follow that as well. And I see the risks that my clients take every day and what they put forth every day, and uh, it's very admirable. And so I take some of those lessons learned from them in terms of how to lead and how to run businesses and, and put that into my style and enterprise. Absolutely. Well, I, and, you know, a big mission of this show is to give a voice to the leaders we have here in our, our community of St. Louis. And uh, your clients, you know, are all leaders of our community, right? They're the ones who are out there putting that risk out there to start that business, be that entrepreneur, um, and to impact the economy and the lives of the, the community that we have here in St. Louis. And so I think, you know, Enterprise Bank has a big impact on that. And I think that's, that's really cool. You know, right. You said it all right there. You know, the we we look at what makes a community home from an economic standpoint and it is it is the privately held sector it is the small businesses in those communities that provide for um the jobs and to give back and this is not to, to say the large companies don't but as it relates to the consistency of philanthropy and the consistency of employment uh it is that small business and that's why you know enterprise has really focused its efforts on medium and small businesses, and we're really good at it because we know that our efforts and our work to make those companies better uh, allows for a better community. Uh, and then really, I think, you know, in all of our communities, whether it be St. Louis or other markets, exactly how we approach it. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with that with that sentiment any, anymore. I'm going to dive in here on, on COVID, uh, COVID-19, the pandemic that we're in. Um, Obviously, it's been a challenging time for a lot of those small businesses that we're speaking to, uh, are speaking of right now. And so talk to me a little bit about how you have led the bank over the last, you know, it's six, seven months, I guess it's been now since we really entered into this pandemic. Um, how is that? How is how has that looked for you guys? And how have you helped the small businesses that we have here in St. Louis um, kind of go through this this challenging time? Yeah. So this is something that you can't prepare for, right? So we've prepared our company for this. We just didn't know in what shape or color it was coming. You know, a year ago, um, I never had heard of COVID-19, right? Right. And so here we are, it's really become um, 
something that we, we will deal with today. We dealt with yesterday and we'll certainly deal with tomorrow. But along the way, Brian, I've done a lot of, of reading and I've done a lot of listening and uh, listening to my partners and listening to my peers, uh, becoming very familiar and comfortable with the data. Um, but most importantly, we've been consistent in our message. And we'll start internally first, and then we'll talk about clients. Um, we've been consistent in the, in the fact that we wanted our, client, our, our associates to be safe. We didn't know what we were dealing with in March, so immediately uh, we talked about personal safety. We talked about uh, washing your hands and staying socially distant uh, and things of that nature. And, and then along the way, we, we talked about wearing your mask, and it was about feeling safe. Um, and, and, and helping people understand what that meant. And we used video to do so. And sometimes it was my daughter holding an iPhone, but I thought it was important that um, our team saw me. They saw me that we transitioned from working in an office to working at home and, and that we were, do, we were in this together and that the things that they were dealing with at home, I was too. I have four children trying to do schoolwork at home. Um, you're trying to find a place that home that was comfortable for you to work and things of that nature. So we used a lot of that uh, to help our associates to feel safe and comfortable. We talked about balance at home, the fact that you, you, you need to find time to, uh, because work now was the same place where you slept and you ate, you had to find a way to relieve yourself of that. So I gave them ideas as to how I was doing so. So we've done, a, I think, an exceptional job being transparent and, and to provide uh, thought leadership for our associates in getting through that. And um, it's been quite rewarding. As it relates to our clients, it was very similar. So the first couple of days going back to March, you know, we just told our relationship managers and our work managers just to pick up the phone and let our clients know that we're here for them. And and the, the, the range of concern was wide, as you can imagine, but we just sure. listened. But more importantly, you know what we did? We, um, we kept track of what they were saying because we wanted the, our clients to know that they weren't going this alone, that others were going through it too. So we were keeping scribes of, uh, we were scribing what people were telling us and we made it public to our clients as to what others were saying. And then obviously we had the great win through the Triple P program, which really showed uh, all of our communities, our dedication and commitment to small business, and every one of our clients who um, completed an application appropriately, their request was filled, uh, fulfilled by our our company. It was over 6,000 uh, that we were able to fulfill, and we were also able to pick up uh, roughly six or 700 new clients as well because they looked to us to help them in that regard. And now, here's the neat thing now, it's about leading them to the, other, to the other side, right? Many of our clients continue to do very well, but there's others that are struggling, and we have to help them lead to the other side, because the other side is, is close, I think, and uh, our job is to make sure we understand what their needs are to get them to the other side, and that's going to be really rewarding when we get there. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> that brings me to really one of the next questions I want to talk about, and that, that is the other side of this. Um, you know, being the CEO of Enterprise Bank, you know, obviously, the economy is, is vital to you guys and your organization. I mean, it is what you guys do. How long do you think it'll take for our economy to, to fully recover from the last six months of, of, you know, having to shut things down and, and small businesses have to lay employees off and, and stuff like that? How long do you think, you know, in your vision, 
obviously I, I won't hold you to this, obviously, but yeah. what, what do you think the recovery looks like for us? Well, I think much of the economy is already recovering. Um, you know, I mentioned that our clients continue to do well, so the, and many have actually flourished, right? So it's about what niche you're in and who do you serve. Um, so there is a, a there is a large part of our economy that's already recovering. Um, but as it relates to getting back to the way it was, so if you're thinking back to uh, the fall of, of 19 and even maybe early part of the spring, I mean, for some industries, let's, let's go right to it. So for travel and leisure and, and experiential, um, it's going to recover when people feel safe. Right. When you feel safe to go to a Blues game, when you feel safe to go to a Cardinals game, when you feel safe to go to a concert, and that's going to be a personal choice. And, um, you know, and, and again, I can only uh, be optimistic about what we're reading regarding vaccines and things of that nature. But um, to be fully recovered, I think we're looking at, you know, another six, nine, 12 months of this recovery to get back to where we were. But I do think, though, that when we pull through some of these, of these industries that may be lagging, I think the economy's going to be even stronger uh, at that at that point. Yeah, I, and I I would agree with that. I think you know where where I feel bad and or where I struggle, I guess I should say, is I feel really ho- bad for the small business owner who is the restaurant or um, you know so those type of industries that have been hit so hard by this and spent their life savings to to develop that restaurant or start that small business and have been impacted by this, and so. Um, you know, I think as a community of St. Louis, we rally as a, as a as a city and as a community around our sports teams all the time, right? We rally around the Cardinals when they're in the playoffs. We rally around the Blues. But I think now as a community, we need to rally around our small businesses and we need to support the local small businesses we have here in town, whether that's a restaurant, whether that's a local bookstore or whatever it is, because, you know, they're the ones that, to, to your earlier point, really impact our economy the most and impact the livelihoods of us as a community the most. And I think we should, we should, as a, as a city and as a community really rally around those, those leaders right now. I agree. And so one of the things we've made, made a point of, so, um, so our branches, uh, the lobbies are open for appointment only, but our staff is there to serve through the drive through and things of that nature. But what we ask them to do is when they bring food in for, for the associates, that we do support those restaurants in our neighborhoods. Because I think it is vital that you do so. Um, and I think too, you not to get political here, but when we, when the uh, Congress just starts focusing on what maybe the next stimulus package looks like, you know, our our hope, our uh, you know, our industry is really pointed towards those industries that you talked about, the restaurant industry and, and things of that nature, because I think it just needs another little shot in the arm to get them to the other side. Um, but it's going to be, like I said, they're, they're in that group of companies, those groups of industries that's going to take a good or six, six to nine months because there's no business that can, can flourish of 25% of capacity. Right. There's just no, we couldn't. And so it's difficult to, to expect a restaurant to do so. Sure. Um, yeah. But boy, I, I got to tell you that what's been encouraging in all this is that Go back to my previous statement as to why I love what I do is the ability to sit down with those owners and there's no quit in those owners, right? They know they have a good product. They know they have something to offer. And to the extent that we can help, we are. And, and like I said, I think we're able to help from the government to help them as well. 
Absolutely. Well, I, and I think, you know, the resilience of a small business owner or an entrepreneur, I think, you know, has been a testament during these times. I, um, you, you definitely had to have some resiliency to kind of fight through these, uh, these times for sure. So where, let me ask you, Jim, where did, where did you learn to be a leader at? Did, did you have a mentor along the way? Did you, you know, learn a lot from college or, or talk to us about your, your leadership and kind of how you learned to, to be the leader that you are today? Yeah, I think along the way you, you are, I've, I've become a mosaic of many people, um, some that were exceptional and some that weren't so good. And you just, you just learn and create your own style. But if you, if I have to look at individuals, I look at two, really, I, I look at my dad. Uh, number one, my dad was a CEO for Catholic Charities here in St. Louis. And, you know, what I learned from him was the importance of, of the uh, work-life balance. Um, and as a kid, I didn't appreciate the significance of this job because, you know, he was home every night for dinner and he was at my games and always there along the way. And it was important that I didn't know what work-life balance was when I was 13 or 14. It was just nice to have dad home every night. Yeah. But I think that was part of it. And he knew, you know, from his standpoint, he knew how to balance uh, things at work, things at home. He knew the importance of his work um, and the people who worked for him also knew the importance of what they were doing. And so I learned a lot from him along the way. And then I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention my predecessor, Peter Benoit. And Peter was the consummate banker because he understood the role of the community bank um, and, its, and its role within a community, its role within the business community, as well as um, making sure that you had a safe, diverse work environment um, and you know what bleeds into our culture is this high level of accountability and Peter really set that in our company that as we said enterprise uh, say what you do and do what you say and uh, it's a big part of it and so you know it's, it's, it's like I said it's a combination of many but if there's two people in my life that really showed me how to be a great leader it'd be my dad and Peter. No, those are awesome, awesome mentors and awesome, um, you know, examples of of how you developed your leadership. Obviously, you know, my father was had a big impact on me. My father-in-law has an impact on me. Um, and I've had some bosses along the way that were absolute great leaders um, that I've, you know, taken pieces of uh, and applied to kind of my my leadership style. And I think, you know, the the goal is to continue to learn as you as you become a leader, right? We we don't know everything. No question. We, everything about leadership, but you got to continue to be a student of the game. Um, and I think I agree. Those are those are great points. You mentioned culture in that previous uh, answer. There, talk to me about the culture Enterprise Bank. I, you know, I've I do a lot of networking with Jennifer Bardot at Enterprise Bank and uh, Lorna. And, you know, I, I will say that, that this, that from doing a lot of networking here in St. Louis, everybody I meet through Enterprise Bank, that's, a, that's an associate of you guys. They have nothing but great, great things to say about the organization. How, how, do you, how do you develop the culture you have and, and keep your employees happy with what the role that they hold at the bank? Yeah, I think it's this. I think, um, I think the, the associates of our company know that they're valued. Um, and, and I think value is that they're, they're valued because of, of their thought and their actions. And, um, and the expectations uh, that we have is um, we hold one another accountable. And that's, that's huge for us. So you mentioned um, 
a few of our associates, and they're two of our best because they hold themselves accountable for what they contribute to the company. And we were very clear of what people's um, roles are. We're very clear as to what our expectations are. And uh, we have a high level of accountability to make sure um, that we're doing our jobs. And why that's important because we believe collaboration and teaming is huge for us. And if we can do that well, then all of a sudden then you're part of this winning team and you can be more entrepreneurial and you have these partnerships built both internally and externally. And that begins that drumbeat, that culture that you talk about. But it really does start with um, our company defining well about how one fits in we value that contribution and we hold each other accountable to do that. And that includes me. That includes me. They, they, you know, um, Jennifer knows that she can pick up the phone and say, Jim, I need you to be on this call with me uh, next week. And I'll say, I'll be there. Because that's what my job as CEO is, is to help her be successful. Yeah. And, um, it, and, it, and it's pervasive. It, it, it runs through our organization, not just on the sales side, but on the offside, the finance area, and HR and IT, uh, and it's almost automatic. And that's the neat thing about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, and you know, I'm I'm a firm believer in culture. I think culture. This is my opinion, but I think culture can make or break an organization. Um, you know, I've worked for some very large companies in my in my past. Um, where the culture, where the, the organization seems like it'd be a fantastic organization to work for, but when once I was in there. Um, the culture wasn't, wasn't great. And so, you know, that's why I left. It wasn't that I didn't like my boss. It wasn't like, I didn't like the company, just the culture wasn't good. And so I think it's, it's vital as a leader of an organization to make sure that your employees enjoy where they work and that there's a good company culture there. But I also think you got to hold your employees accountable. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head, making sure they know what the expectations are, um, are vital. And Brian, I'll say this too. It's incumbent upon us as we recruit and we go out and we seek um, new associates, it's our job to make sure that it's a fit, right? Yeah. And so here's a good example. I mentioned sales. Um, and you may laugh at this, but we may, we may not want one of the best salespeople in our industry to be part of our company because he or she may not fit. And you say, boy, somebody who's successful wouldn't fit. Well, maybe not, because they may be a lone wolf. They may be somebody who's, quote, unquote, hard on the system. They may be somebody who puts their objectives before that of the client and or the uh, the company. So we have to make sure, too, it's incumbent on us to make sure that those fits are there in order to make sure that that, that particular associate has the DNA to be successful within our culture. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think that's funny at all. I think it's it it holds you true to who you are and um, you stay true to that and you know who that is. And if that person doesn't fit culturally, well, then it's not going to be a good fit for them or or for you. Right. And there's that's nothing right. that there's nothing that can impact an organization harder than, you know, turnover. Right. You spend all this time that's and money man. training an employee and, and getting them up to speed and then they're not a good fit. Then that was a not that wasn't good for the organization or for that person. And so I think I think that's a very important piece of advice, Jim. I, I always end, I always end this podcast with the same question, um, and it's the whole point is to try to give our listeners something tangible that they can take away from this episode. And so, for the people listening to this podcast, what is one piece of advice you would give them when it comes to leadership and, and journey? 
Yeah, I would say this is that, like a lot of things in life, uh, you have to practice leadership to become proficient. Um, in a way, it's kind of like, like a sport or um, if you played the piano, it's something you have to do daily. Um, you have to do often because it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, I don't think it's something that comes naturally. Now, the characteristics may come naturally, but you have to practice it, uh, I think, to be really, really good. And then, you, you know, once you settle on your style, um, you know, you can tinker with it, right? You can tinker with it based upon what you read and what you hear, and you can tinker with it uh, every once in a while. But really, you have to stick to uh, who you are and, and, and what makes you um, successful as a, a leader. And, um, you know, it's, again, I, I say this, it, we, we talk about things in our company. It's like our CFO, Keen Turner, talks about our success is because we just come in and do our push-ups, and it becomes part of who you are. And I think that's what leadership has to be. It has to be something you practice every day and something that you want to do. Um, and here's an, interesting, uh, here's an interesting thing that we're really practicing at Enterprise. And, um, you know, so often today you're working amid teams, and, and the team, the, your teammates may not be people in your particular organization. So how do you lead across lines? And this is a very interesting um, dynamic of leadership, is the ability to lead people who don't work for you, right? And uh, it's something we practice a lot, and we're very intentional about creating teams like this to see who really are the dynamic leaders in our company. So I think when someone works for you, there's a natural, hey, let's fall in line. But when they're not in your org chart, but yet you need them to be part of your success, uh, that's really where I think real leadership shines through. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would agree with that 100%. I think it's a, it's a good way to continue to practice leadership. I'm, I'm a big proponent of practicing leadership and, and being a student of leadership, whether that's reading books, listening to podcasts, um, you know, getting a mentor and having a mentor mentor, mentor you through leadership. You know, to, to, your, to some of your earlier points, you just don't wake up one day, become the CEO of an organization and be a great leader. You, you got to you got to work at it and you got to uh, continue to practice it. So I think those are awesome pieces of advice that you've shared with us. So Jim, on behalf of STL leaders, I greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your day today to uh, give us some insight into the leadership you have at Enterprise Bank um, and, and how you guys have helped uh, our community here in St. Louis rally um, with this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I wish you nothing but the best. And again, thank you for your time. Brian, you bet. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Enterprise Bank and Trust. For more than 30 years, Enterprise Bank and Trust has primarily focused on serving the lifetime financial needs of privately held businesses, their owner families, and other success-minded individuals. Thank you for listening to this episode of the STL Leaders Podcast.